Psalm 2 is the first of the Messianic Psalms, which give a picture of the coming Messiah of Israel. The word Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach. which means anointed one. The Greek equivalent of Messiah is the word Christ. Messianic Psalms are a special type of psalm which have dual meaning. They refer both to the reigning king of Israel, like David and his son Solomon, but they also refer to the final glorious reign of the coming king of Israel, who would be a descendant of David of God's promise. In 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 16, and 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 15, the Lord promised David that one of his descendants would rule over God's house and kingdom forever. In Psalm 2, we get a peek into the eternal counsels of God. Psalm 2 is like the high priest's prayer in John chapter 17 where we hear Jesus, the Son of God, talking to God the Father about his coming suffering, death, and glorification. In Psalm 2, we also get to hear a discussion that happened in Trinity Past as each of the three members of the Holy Trinity of God speaks. If you brought your Bible with you, please open it to the book of Psalms. If you didn't bring one, you can use the one in the pew If the people of the world think 
that they can overthrow the world of Christ, the rule of Christ, and they are badly mistaken. We can see that his reign over them has been established by the eternal decree of God. Try as they might, all of their efforts are doomed to utter failure. The throne of Jesus Christ will be established in Jerusalem, and he will reign over all the nations as King of kings and Lord of lords. As a prophet, David foresaw that the kings and the peoples of the world would unite together in contempt against the Lord and his anointed one. The scripture prophetically says that the enmity of the kings of the earth against the Lord would be uniquely directed toward his anointed son, the Messiah. Jesus spoke of the hatred the world had toward him and his father. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And he who hates me hates my father as well. Psalm 83, 2 through 4, Asaph foresaw earthly rulers plotting together against the Lord and the nation of Israel. The hostility of the kings of the earth against the Lord and his anointed king is open and obvious. They proudly boast, saying, let us break their chains and throw off the fetters. Man is by nature God's enemy. The human creature is in open revolt against his creator being deceived by his desire to be his own God. He considered God's absolute standards and values and values to be fetters that must be broken. The only absolute fallen men will tolerate is the absolute right for each of them to determine for themselves what is good and what is evil. Sinful men are outraged His 
kingdom of darkness is gaining ground and it is a kingdom of light. Based on what is recorded here in Psalm 2, I think I don't think God feels the least bit anxious because things down here are spiraling out of control. The Lord already told us that his response to his adversary would be to reveal his son as king in Jerusalem. Instead of being concerned that the conspiracy against him and his son will succeed, I think God the Father is laughing at the rich and powerful elite who are pulling the puppet strings of the presidents and ruling political parties of the countries in the Western world. These presidents and politicians, with the help of left-leaning mainstream media and big tech companies, are using lies and deception to destroy the economy and enslave and kill the people they were elected to serve. All this is being done to prepare the world for the Great Reset. From the ashes of the world's decimated countries, the elites and the politicians that they control say that they will build back better to create a whole new world. Reimagine. They dream of a utopian paradise with a global economy controlled by a global communist government. The two flagship organizations promoting this new vision of the future are the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and its World Health Organization Division, WHO. Those behind this plan understand that when they succeed in creating this new world, they themselves, as the global ruling elite, will be the only ones left in the world with any wealth or freedom. Everyone else will be reduced to poverty and slavery. Their own website says that in this new world they are creating, you will own nothing and be happy. History shows us that communism always promises to redistribute wealth evenly by taking money away from the rich and giving it to the poor. But instead, it always takes away the right of personal property ownership from everyone except the privileged few who are in power. In this brand new world, you won't have to think for yourself or make your own decisions. There will be state-endorsed experts to do that for you. In fact, you will not have any freedom to think or act on your own. You will think only what you are permitted to think. You will do only what they tell you you can do. You will go only where the government permits you to go. Your whole purpose in life will be to serve and worship the state. The behavioral training for, of the masses for this new government arrangement has already started with social distancing, mask mandates, church and business closures, lockdowns, forced vaccination, and vaccination passports. Today, United States of America is in a steep descent into the social 
We learn in the New Testament accounts of the birth of Jesus how the angels announced that he was special because he was God's son. And he had a special mission on earth to fulfill. Jesus was biologically a descendant of Abraham and gave it to his mother Mary. As can be seen in the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke at his baptism. He was legally a descendant of Abraham and David through his adopted father Joseph, as can be seen in his genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Account at his birth. We Christians believe, because the Bible teaches it, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is God's own Son in his human nature. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and has always been God's Son in his divine nature. Twice in the Gospels, we hear God the Father speaking in an audible voice from heaven to affirm that Jesus is his own Son, echoing his statement in Psalm 2. The first time the Father spoke from heaven was when Jesus was baptized. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The second time the Father spoke from heaven was on the Mount of Transfiguration. A bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The New Testament is full of evidence proving that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God. Many times in the Gospels, Jesus called God my Father so that people would know about his unique and special relationship with God. One of the favorite titles Jesus used for himself was Son of Man. He used that title to let people know that as God's Son, he deserved worship and obedience based on a description of the Son of Man in Daniel 7, verses 13 through 14. When asked at his trial if he was the Son of God, he accepted the title. The demons recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. His disciples called him the Son of God on several occasions. And even a Roman centurion recognized that Jesus was the Son of God when he saw how he died. Here in verse 8 of Psalm 2, God the Father invites his Son to ask for the nations and the earth as his inheritance. And in verse 9, the Father tells the Son that he will rule over the nations The 19th chapter of Revelation foretells the future events when King Jesus will return to the earth at the end of the tribulation period in judgment, which is the fulfillment of this prophecy in Psalm 2. The Revelation passage reads, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. 
and on his head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows except but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When Jesus, the Son of God, returns to earth, he will destroy the enemies of the kingdom of God by striking them with his iron shepherd's staff and breaking them into tiny pieces. Then King Jesus, the Son of Man, will sort out the survivors of the tribulation period into sheep and goats based on how they treated his Jewish brothers during the tribulation period. The goats will be the ones who didn't feed and care for the Jewish believers in Jesus, the Messiah. King Jesus will kill them and cast their souls into hell. The sheep will be the ones who were kind to the Jewish believers and took care of them during the seven-year tribulation period. King Jesus will allow them to live and enter the kingdom of his Father, which has been prepared for them since the creation of the world. Part 4. Based on the Father's plan to have his Son come and judge the earth, the Spirit gives a message of warning and encouragement to those who live on the earth. Psalm 2, 10 through 12. Finally, read with me verses 10 through 12. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry with you, and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The kings of the earth and the rulers of the earth are admonished. Be wise, be warned. This is Jesus Christ who is coming to set up his kingdom. And he will judge the living and the dead, 2 Timothy 4.1. Since it is foolish to continue in rebellion against him, those resisting him should stop fighting against him and submit to him. The kings are commanded to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. This admonishment applies to everyone since a life of true joy only comes from reverent service of the Son of God. The call goes out to all people. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you be destroyed in your way. Kiss the Son means to submit to him with worship and love. In Luke 
that when she met Jesus, she repented of her sins and trusted him. Notice how Jesus received her and forgave her sins, though they were many. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to, to say among themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The unnamed woman in the story quite literally kissed the Son of God. As this passage tells, the kings and the rulers of the earth today. Those who kissed the Son by loving Jesus and submitting to his authority and rule in their lives will be blessed. They will rejoice when he comes back to judge the world and establish his kingdom. But those who foolishly resist him will be punished and cast into hell when he comes back to establish his kingdom on earth. The Son of God should be feared by those who rebel against him. But he is gracious and kind to those who come humbly to him and put their trust in him. Those who refuse to kiss the Son are in danger of him returning angry and destroying them. God the Father shows his love toward us by sending his own of our sins. We can avoid falling under God's wrath by turning away from our sins and turning to his Son for forgiveness and cleansing. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word translated atoning sacrifice, and in some other English translations, propitiation, means one who bears wrath. God sent his son, Jesus, to bear his wrath against us when he died on the cross for our sins. We can only be saved from our sins and be given eternal life by believing in Jesus, the Son of God. However, the Bible clearly says that those who don't believe in him are still under God's wrath and will be condemned. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, the Son, shall not perish. 
perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The song of the Son ends with a blessing. It says, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You can avoid falling under the wrath of God by humbly taking refuge in the death of Jesus on the cross for you. Jesus is coming back in blazing glory to judge and destroy the people of this world for their sin and rebellion against him. But he will also be gracious to those who stop fighting against him and surrender to him now. The good news is that if you come to Jesus today and ask him for mercy and forgiveness, he will give it to you. If you put your trust in Jesus today, he will rescue you from God's coming wrath by taking you to heaven before it begins. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 Are your sins covered by the blood of Jesus? If not, I urge you to go to Jesus in prayer today. Tell him that you are an unworthy sinner. Ask him to have mercy on you and forgive you. Ask him to change you. Call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved from your sinful sins. If you have not already come to Jesus, don't wait. Before you go to sleep tonight, tell him that you are going to turn away from your sins and start obeying his commands. Pledge your love and loyalty to the Son of God as your eternal king. Now I'm going to read Revelation 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord
Is that good news? <laughs> it is. Thanks, Ken, for the solemn but hopeful reminder that we serve an almighty God and we carry a powerful message. And it's up to us to share that message. You can be seated. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then I'm going to invite someone up for just a short presentation. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the picture that you give us of the hopeful kingdom that we have to look forward to. Help us, Lord, to examine ourselves to be certain that we're on the right side of that kingdom. Help us, Lord, to be courageous as Ken was today in proclaiming the truth and the remedy for the sin that sentences us all to death. But thank you for the gift of your son that paid for that wrath on our behalf. Help us, Lord, to pursue our relationship with you through him and abide in him, that your spirit can use us and produce your fruit through us. Go with us this week and help us to be your hands and feet, your light and salt. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone want to guess how long it'll take YouTube to remove that video? <laughs> <laughs>